In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Just uh, a quick word about the Psalm and the Gospel. The Psalm and the Gospel. What we've been doing the last four weeks, where the, the chanters have been chanting the Psalm, is not something new, but it's actually the original place of it. And if any of you have attended a Catholic church, a Catholic mass, uh, whether it be in your school or, or whatnot, you'll know that this is also how the the other churches, the Catholics as well as the other Orthodox, uh, read the Gospel. First the psalm is chanted, and the purpose of chanting the psalms is so that we have time to meditate on the words of the psalms, even try to memorize the verse that, that's being said, because the psalm itself is framing what the Gospel is going to be about. And then afterwards the Gospel is chanted, and typically the Gospel is chanted by the bishop or the priest, uh, the deacon, and so on and so forth. It's chanted by um, the highest clergyman that's there. And also, something that must be uh, understood, when the bishop comes and he chants the Gospel from right here, Right? We're familiar with that, the, 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 someone will hold the gospel chant. He chants it from right here, not because he's the bishop, but he chants it right from here, because this is the place where the gospel should be read. I, as a priest, I can read it from right here too. The problem is you'd say, oh, he thinks he's a bishop. <laughs> and so that's not why we do it. But this is also the place where we listen and focus on the word of God. These practices are small, but are important for us to understand uh, the place, the focus, the importance uh, of what we are doing. And the chanting, of course, so it slows it down a little bit. It lets us m meditate on those words to understand what is being said to us. Today's Gospel, the, from the last part of the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 1, in today's Gospel we have the birth of John the Baptist. Last week was the, uh, the meeting of Elizabeth, and, the, and Mary, the week before that was the Annunciation to, uh, of Archangel Gabriel to St. Mary, and the week before that was the Annunciation to Zechariah, um, the, the High Priest. Zechariah has a small part in this work, but a very important part. Uh, we don't know that, or that much about Zechariah, all we know is what's kind of kept in tradition and said in the gospel. But we know that Zechariah was a priest, the high priest. He came to offer sacrifices in the temple. He heard these words from Archangel Gabriel, and he was um, not understanding, not able to comprehend it, maybe doubtful, maybe shocked, uh, not like Abraham, who heard the word of God and believed immediately, even though he was old and Sarah was old. Zechariah had a little bit of a, a shortcoming here. So he was given, uh, not a punishment, but a healing. A healing what? He was given a period of silence, where he was both deaf and mute. Uh, and in being deaf and mute, he was plunged into silence so he could focus, and he could meditate, and he could remember. Silence is a very important gift that's given to us. The problem is more and more of this world is becoming 
less and less silent, less a place where we can uh, be alone with ourselves, with our thoughts, with our minds. And what we find ourselves is we are always tortured by what's going on around us. We don't feel tortured, uh, whether it's what's, what we're listening to, or what we're watching, or who's talking to us, or who we're talking to. We don't feel that there's anything going on that's out of the ordinary, but what's happening is that we're not being able to sit with ourselves, to sit with God, to pursue God as we ought to pursue Him. <coughs> what we're going to see here is Zechariah and Elizabeth both were very godly, very holy individuals. Godly and holy in the way that they uh, served God all the days of their life. We complain at I complain that a lot of times we don't present saints to you who are married. All the times we see celibate, monastic saints who died as martyrs, and we feel like this is something unrelatable to our life. But here we have a beautiful example. If we spend time to meditate on those few verses about them, we see the depth and beauty of their lives of service to God. It was said about Saint Zechariah, by origin that Zechariah died as a martyr because of something he did on the 40th day of our Lord of our Lord's life he died uh, Jesus Christ speaks about how the blood of the prophets from Abel to Zechariah the son of Berechiah will be on this generation so Zechariah was the father according to tradition of John the Baptist and he was he was persecuted or he was killed for one of two reasons. Origen says he was persecuted because he presented St. Mary as a virgin on the day that she presented Christ to the temple. So there was a place in the temple for the virgins, only for the virgins. And Zechariah being the high priest on that day, yes, we have the story of Simeon and Anna, but Zechariah, the high priest, received him and put St. Mary with the virgins declaring her virginity and he was killed for this the other is that Herod was searching for Jesus to kill and not finding him wanted to kill John the Baptist said an angel took John the Baptist to the desert and uh, Herod went to the temple and killed Zechariah in the temple for hiding his son whatever the reason is uh, one or the other we see that he's a very principled man one who was, who made one mistake maybe, but he never allowed that to be a second mistake in his life. He served God with purpose of heart all the days of his life. And with, with the birth of Elizabeth, there's a beautiful meditation on the meaning of the two, word, of the two names. Does anyone know what Elizabeth means? No? The, the core, the root of it is about the oath. God's oath or God is my oath. Or, but the, the word is oath or promise. Zechariah, does anybody know what that means? God, remem God remembers. So you put the two together and you have a fulfillment of the prophecy that God remembers his promise. God remembers his oath to the people. And then, what does John mean? John the Baptist, what does the name John mean? Or gift. Gift from God. 
right? He said, beloved? Loving. Loving. I have to look, I have to do some research on that. But the gift from God. And when we have this gift from God, for his remembering of the oath and his promises, that he is coming to save us, just like he promised. And he's coming to make us his people, just like he promised. This is following in the themes that I've said in the past couple of weeks about righteousness. God's righteousness is that what He promised, He's going to do. Now when we focus on John the Baptist, we discover something amazing. Yes, yes, God came to save us as humans, save the human race on the, on the macro level. God is saving all of us. But we see, if we focus on John the Baptist, his attention to the individual. His attention to the individual. The individual that he knew and that he knew what this individual would do. Uh, let, us, let us take the last verse from Malachi. Malachi, the last prophet, 400 years of silence. The last prophet, the last words of his prophecy are... Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with curse. And then, 400 years later, we have Archangel Gabriel appearing to Zechariah in the temple. And he says to Zechariah, do not be afraid, for your prayers have been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice in his birth. And it says, And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. We have the same words that the Old Testament ended with, we have the New Testament beginning with this prophecy. Now why is this important? Because this was a prophecy about John the Baptist. John the Baptist was known about, you can say, by God for all these years from, from eternity. My children, when they were little, they used to ask me a question. Children often have profound questions, even in their little age. But they asked, where was I before I was born? It's a, very, it's a very good question. Do you guys remember the answer? I was in the mind of God. I was in the mind of God. And that's important for us to understand our place in the mind of God. The mind of God is not like you can say, like an ocean, like where I'm in the ocean, and so are a lot of other things in the ocean. Whether the ocean is paying attention to me or not, whether the ocean cares that I'm in it or not, doesn't matter. God's mind is not like that. What did he say to, Jer to Jeremiah? Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before I called you, I sanctified you. What we learned from John the Baptist, and it's not... It's, degrees of sanctification, of course we're not all as holy as these saints, but what we know is that we are all in the mind of God and that means we are all in the mind of God with a purpose 
I was reading a book with my children the other day. It's, um, by the way, I'm not, I'm not a good parent. It just so happens that my, parent, my kids have been off, so I've had a lot of time with them the past week. So um, I try to do the things I should be doing all year, uh, but I haven't, so I'm doing it in the last week. So I found this book. I didn't even know I had it. We had it. It's called Why Am I Here by a famous Catholic author. I know his name, Matthew Kelly. I know this, this guy. And so it's about a boy who goes fishing with his grandfather and asks him, you know, why am I here? And the grandfather has a very profound answer that's related to this story as well. The grandfather says, well, let me ask you something. Before I answer your question, let me ask you something. Why do you think a, a bird is here? What's, what's the purpose of a bird being here? And, you know, at the end, after they start talking about it, it says, well, the purpose of the bird being here is to be the best kind of bird it can be. A bird is not here to be a lizard. A bird is not here to be a fish. If a bird was trying to be a fish, it would, be, it would fail. And if a, a, a bird tried to be a lizard, it would fail because it's not a lizard, it's a bird. And so the grandfather takes him down this road a couple times. He says in the end, he says, the reason why you are here is to be the best you you can be. Now, I know it sounds like a cliche. I know it sounds generic. I know it sounds like something you would hear in a commercial. But if you think about it, there's only, there's only one Aguna, you know, Daniel Habib here. I'm not, I hate to tell you, going to be an Abuna Bishoy Kamen. Or I'm not going to be a Pope Shenouda. I'm, I'm only going to be, as best as possible, the best me I can be. But now, as I make my choices to be the best I can be, I make those choices on the day-to-day, knowing that God has given me a purpose and a calling. Now, just because I'm a priest, yes, there's one calling that you see, but there's also the calling of father, husband, son, brother. There's a, there's a calling all around, uh, you know, as, as, as a neighbor, I'm a good neighbor to, to the people around me, as, as best as possible, as best as I can. Uh, and that calling is important for each and every one of us to understand that we are called, because we are in the mind of God, we are called to be and sanctified to be the best version that we can possibly be of ourselves. And if we don't focus on this, if I try to be something that I'm not, or if I try to be something that I can never become, I'm going to fail both at being who I am and at trying to achieve a goal that's not achievable. On the day-to-day, I make choices. I make choices. Never think that St. John the Baptist was forced to be St. John the Baptist. Never think that it was purely genetics within him that caused him to be the saint that he was. It wasn't chemical reactions. It wasn't that God took away his free will and forced him to go through certain uh, steps in life in order to become a very holy person. God knew about him. And it wasn't just a chance, by chance. How is it by chance that you have Zechariah, Elizabeth, not even Zechariah, we'll go start with Joachim and Anna, who in their old age produce a daughter, St. Mary, and they give her to the temple. And then with Joachim and Anna, you have Elizabeth and, uh, and Zechariah, and they produce John the Baptist. All of this is not chance. But all of the Old Testament, all that happened 
was so that these people could exist and that they could participate in the salvation which God was giving to us. Without St. Mary, Jesus Christ would not have come into the world. And the same can be said on, on some level about St. John the Baptist. His importance as the forerunner, as the frontrunner, as the, in the Greek, the brodromos, the, the one who leads, was, was essential for the mission and the salvation, not only of, of those people, but of us today. St. John was called uh, an angel. St. John, uh, in some icons, you see him with angels' wings, and it wasn't just because of his, uh, he was a, a pure person or a holy person. An angel means messenger. And he was, in every way, a messenger from God. We know only a little bit about St. John, but we find him worthy of washing the feet and, and baptizing Christ, of touching the feet of Christ and baptizing him altogether. So this individual is not somebody who just by chance found himself in the right place at the right time. And the same is for you. You are not by chance here. But God has given us all uh, a mission. In a very small place, in a very small corner of His kingdom, we are all working. And we all have to work together. The second we leave our work and start criticizing the work of others, then we begin to fail. The second we start forgetting that our hands have to be with the hands of God in all that we do, the second we start forgetting about this, then the devil has tricked us. The devil has convinced us that our existence on earth is not that important. That doesn't matter if, I, if I'm here, if I'm not here. It doesn't matter if I go to church, I don't go to church. It doesn't matter if I read my Bible, I don't read my Bible. And especially when tragedy and suffering affects us. Then we say, look at all this, I prayed, I went to church, I did all this, and God still did this to me, therefore I don't believe in God, or I, I, I get I doubts of my faith. What we do is not so that we have a, a happy, merry, good life with no problems. What we do is that we're putting our hands in a very real environment in this world where there is death, there is suffering, there is torture, there is tribulation. We're putting our hands with God to work the work that He has started and that we are continuing. The work of righteousness, the work of the power of the gospel that we spoke about, the power of the gospel that we believe in and that we have received and that was made manifest in Jesus Christ. Where is the power of the gospel in my life today? How does the gospel affect my day? How does the gospel affect my decisions? How does the gospel affect the way I encourage myself to love those who are difficult to love and to serve those who are difficult to serve? If I am called to love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, all my strength, how am I working towards that goal? You see, the Feast of the Nativity the feast of Christmas that we are celebrating is to rejuvenate and rejuvenate the power of the gospel within us. It is as if we're asking Christ to come and be manifest and be born within our hearts. 
not just that we celebrate him in a manger in Bethlehem, uh, you know, 2,000 years ago, but it is here, it is now, and on Christmas you'll hear the hymns, Hail to Bethlehem. Hail to Bethlehem because here is Bethlehem. And we want our hearts to be Bethlehem, the place to receive Christ and to hold on to Christ and allow Christ to have life, to be born within us. Then we can discover the purpose. Then we can discover the goal of our lives. We were called, we were called, uh, St. Irenaeus says, the glory of God is, is found in a, in a person fully alive. And when we talk about being fully alive, it's not about breathing, it's not about uh, you know, being uh, able to uh, live and do things and I can bend my back, I can't bend my That's not life, that's just existence. But to be fully alive is to be alive in Him, to be alive in Christ and to allow that, I don't want to say power, but to allow that life to work within us. St. John was one that we see, somebody who said yes to God and did the work that was given to Him. And his, his job, one, one day we'll speak about St. John the Baptist. Uh, St. John the Baptist loved Jesus Christ immensely. St. John the Baptist had a disciple who was St. John the Evangelist. So you see the, the words of St. John the Baptist in the Gospel of St. John the Evangelist. And St. John the Evangelist is the one that spoke about love. And St. John the Baptist taught that to his disciple. And St. John learned more about that from Jesus Christ. But we see in St. John a great love, a great passion, a great desire to serve God. And then as he said, he must increase, I must decrease. He slowly walked away. And then he died a noble death, standing for the truth. But on this day, today, we are asking ourselves, how can I become that best version of myself. How can I turn to God? How can I make the moment-to-moment decisions that will affect my holiness? And not just my holiness, but affect those who are around me. Today is the day that we are again preparing ourselves for the feast next week where we receive Jesus Christ into our hearts. We're asking God to accept our fasting, accept our prayers, and to allow us to be worthy to carry this noble and honorable name of being Christians, that name of Christ, and having Christ dwell in us, and being ambassadors for us in that small corner of the kingdom that He has given to us. May God be glorified in our lives, now and ever in the age of all ages. Amen. We exalt your worthy.